Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. To our new listeners, welcome. To our old listeners, welcome back. Another episode of Magical Education awaits you. But first, we would like to say a few words. Nitwit, blubber, oddment, tweak. Podcast night at three quarters topic of the week is 2018 Potter Predictions. Hello listeners, I'm Rhea. And I'm Jem. And this week we're using our inner eye to see the future. <laughs> yes, we're consulting the tea leaves to figure out what will happen this year in 2018 in the world of Harry Potter. There's a lot of interesting things going on with Harry Potter at the moment. Any thoughts about what's going to happen next year? <laughs> Would you like to start us off? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think I could start right now with, we've had recently two more Harry Potter books come out. Mm -hmm. They're really beautiful illustrated books, which are to do with the British Library's exhibition on Harry Potter and JK and her writing process. Is that the History of Magic exhibition? Yeah. The exhibition's called The 20 Years of Magic or The History of Magic, something like that. And there's two books that have come out. There's the History of Magic book, and then there's like History of Harry Potter or something like that. Mm -hmm. They look beautiful. And I've actually, I haven't read the books. I've seen them around the shops a few times, but I have watched the BBC documentary on YouTube, which is like all about the exhibition. And it covers sort of JK's methodology and her background that she like sort of imbued into the books. And it's like her historical backgrounds that she researched, like the histories about witchcraft in Britain and where a lot of the names that she used came from and that sort of thing. Awesome. A bit of her personal background as well, some of her sketches that she made of the characters and handwritten pages that she did of the first drafts and things like that. And like, they look like really beautiful like books to look at just to get a bit more of a understanding of the thoughts behind the series and the world of Harry Potter. So I think they'll really be hitting the shelves around Christmas time and into January. So that's just something interesting. Yeah. And that made me think that maybe in the coming years, we'll be getting more sort of books along this category. Mm -hmm. So we already have the Hogwarts Library, which is the three textbooks. Yeah. Well, two textbooks and one storybook mm -hmm. being Beetle the Bard stories. And then the two textbooks are Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them and Quidditch Through the Ages. And I thought maybe we'll get a revamp of those textbooks with like illustrations and really nicely bound, especially with the upcoming like Fantastic Beasts franchise and things like that. Yeah. But then I thought, it wouldn't it be great? I think this is more of a hope than a prediction. <laughs> wouldn't it be great if we finally got Hogwarts a history, oh. which has been mentioned so much throughout the series by Hermione, especially, who's like, I think she's the only person who's ever read it. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd love to read a book about Hogwarts, the castle and its history and the founders and how they created the castle and, and the whole, everything that went into building Hogwarts. I'd love to read about that, all the history there. Well, when the book series ended, there was talk of a Harry Potter encyclopedia, hmm. which would be entitled Hogwarts A History. And it was like, maybe it was going to be a um, in-world encyclopedia. Right. So like within canon it exists, or maybe it would be about like Harry Potter from a meta perspective. There's yeah. a lot of talk about doing that. And eventually it morphed into Pottermore. Right. So Pottermore is our meta Harry Potter encyclopedia. 
which is constantly changing and updating and evolving. Mm. So as much as I would love Hogwarts <laughs> history, I don't think we'll ever get it. Mm. Or I don't know, we might. I just I don't think we'll ever get Hogwarts history. If nothing else, it's a money spinner. Mm. Like they need more money, but like <laughs> I know, but they're determined to get it. <laughs> oh. oh yes. I think beautiful illustrated editions of Fantastic Beasts and Quidditch Through the Ages, the Hogwarts Library, is a really good bet. Mm. I know that they released a new edition of Fantastic Beasts, the textbook, after the movie came out yeah. with updated magical creatures. Oh. And I think they'll continue to do that. After the series ends, yeah. the movie series, I think they'll do a official definitive edition mm. with all of the creatures because they're just going to keep inventing new creatures for the movies. Yeah. I mean, why not? <laughs> We won't get another Jim Kay book, I think, because Jim Kay is the guy who's doing the beautiful illustrated versions of the Harry Potter books. So he's done the first three. The third one came out this year. I don't think we'll get another one until 2019. Yeah. On the topic of books, this year, 2017, saw the 20th anniversary of the first Harry Potter book yeah. and the release of a new 20th anniversary edition. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they'll continue doing 20-year anniversary editions of all the subsequent books? Or was that just a special one for philosophy? Oh, no, I wouldn't be shocked. Because, like, now that you've got the beautifully covered and sort of special edition of the Philosopher's Stone, people are going to want the rest for the other books as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do. <laughs> so if I saw it, I'm, I'm going to buy it. Yeah, they're so pretty. <laughs> I'm, I'm hesitant about whether they would continue to produce them. Mm. It makes sense for the first few books because you'll have a yearly release schedule. Yeah. But then... We have to consider that there is a three-year gap between when Goblet of Fire was originally published and when Order of the Phoenix was originally published. Ah, yes, the dark years. (laughs) Uh, The beautiful years full of fandom. It was a good time. (laughs) If you kept the original publication schedule, you have to have a big break in there, Mm. which is awkward when the books are already written. Like, why not just release them all at once? In terms of a commemorative edition, publishing companies do that kind of thing all the time. But what I noticed when the 20th anniversary editions of Philosopher's Stone was out, first couple of weeks they sold really well, and then they just didn't. Mm. There were piles of them in bookstores, piles and piles and piles. There's no way that bookstores would have bought as many as the original Harry Potter series when they were published, because they know that nobody near those kind of numbers are going to buy books. Mm. But they definitely overestimated how many people would want that 20th anniversary edition. Yeah. So it might have been a mistake and they might not repeat that mistake or they might just do a lower print run. Mm. They might have a more realistic idea of numbers now. Mm, I think it'll be more likely they have a lower print run. For context, I do study publishing (laughs) at a master's level. So I have a quite complicated understanding of how books are published. (laughs) And I have no idea if they're going to do a 20th edition for Chamber of Secrets. I'm so interested to find out. Yeah. Because Philosopher's Stone is iconic. Like, it's the first book. So for me, it makes sense if they just did Philosopher's Stone and Deathly Hallows. Somehow that would make more sense to me than if they did all the books. Yes. Yeah. Just because those two were so monumental. Yeah, the capstones. I always thought they're either going to do the first one, the first one, the last one, or all seven. Yeah. I would lean towards them doing either just the first one, or if they left it to the 20th anniversary of Deathly Hallows, and then release the entire series as 20th anniversary editions. That's another way they could do it. Yeah, that's an option. I feel like people would be more likely to buy a box set of 20th editions than each book individually as it comes out. Kill six birds with one stone. Yeah, fair. (laughs) So that's my prediction for that. 
I have no idea what they're going to do, but there's many options. Well, this is divination. We don't actually know. We're just predicting. Yes. (laughs) 2018, I'll be poor again. Don't make me do predictions about our lives. That's not, that's just depressing. Yeah, that's just a series of unfortunate events. I have a prediction about the Wizards Unite game. More information coming in 2018. We don't know if it'll be released in 2018. Yeah. But I predict that if it is released in 2018, it might be October before the next Fantastic Beasts movie in November. Mm -hmm. And that it'll probably be a flop. (laughs) That's my prediction. All right. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's likely to drop before the Fantastic Beasts film and have a very strong Fantastic Beast element. Mm-hmm. Because as we've discussed, it's basically the Harry Potter variant on Pokemon Go. Yeah. And I feel like catching magical creatures or finding them is going to be a strong part of the game. Mm-hmm. I think it will work really well for the first two months, and then people will just lose interest in it. Yeah. Speaking of port key games, which seems to be something that Warner Brothers is investing quite a bit in in the future, In addition to Wizards Unite, we are getting another mobile game dropping definitely in 2018 called Hogwarts Mystery. Hmm. You heard about this one? No. Okay. So this seems like it's a bit closer to that Hogwarts Skyrim game that we all want. (laughs) It's a story-driven role-playing game on your mobile. Okay. So you design your own character and you play as a student attending Hogwarts Finally. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Go to lessons, meet teachers, um, other things in the game probably yeah (laughs) there's not a whole lot of information on it right now i'm predicting that's going to be not as good as we want it to be but way better than wizards unite yeah yeah strong prediction it sounds like something that i would enjoy Mm. so i'm quite excited for hogwarts mystery yeah I'm, i'm interested i'll look more into that that's piqued my interest There's a mailing list open at the moment (laughs) on their website, so you can subscribe for news as it comes out. Are you selling the game? (laughs) No, but just if you want more info on it, that's how you get it. (laughs) All right. Portkey Games salesperson. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's right. Going to remove my mask now. (laughs) Speaking of games... I've been wondering if they'll release Fantastic Beasts Lego games, because there was famously the Harry Potter Lego games. Famously? Famously. They were released in chunks, so it was years one to four, Mm -hmm. and then years five to seven, and they were separate, like, discs. Yeah. I don't know, maybe that was because they were released pretty much when all the movies were done. I'm not 100% certain on that. So maybe they won't release Fantastic Beasts Lego games until all five, question mark, movies are out. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's just what I was thinking. (laughs) I like that we both know there's five movies. Like, we know that. That's confirmed. (laughs) They've told us. But I like to pretend that there's just infinite movies and we don't know how many there's going to be because five is a ridiculous number of movies to make and don't announce that many movies in one go. I hate it. (laughs) Makes me so angry. Speaking of movies, I had another prediction, not about Fantastic Mm. Beasts in general, but just about the Harry Potter movies, that maybe Warner Bros. will do a Rogue One Ah. in which they've got a new franchise happening in Fantastic Beasts and they're like, let's kick it back a notch and release just a one-off movie set in the universe, Mm -hmm. maybe a prequel. Yeah. So like they did with Rogue One with a new Star Wars movie. And maybe... I mean, this is just a possibility. It's a huge money-spinning opportunity. Mm -hmm. 
but I wouldn't imagine that they would do something in between the Fantastic Beasts era and the Harry Potter era because that could potentially spoil things that have happened in Fantastic Beasts that we haven't seen yet. Yeah. So it'd have to be before Fantastic Beasts, I'd imagine, if they did this. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, okay, what are the notable things that have happened before the 1920s in the Wizarding World that we know about? Mm-hmm. And all I could think of was the Founders, founding Hogwarts. Yeah, Founders. Or um, Merlin, whatever the hell he was doing. <laughs> yeah. Thoughts? Not in 2018. Mm. I think they won't do any other Harry Potter movies until the Fantastic Beasts franchise is over. But I think there will definitely be Mm. more Harry Potter movies. Hmm. It's the question of what they'll do next. After Fantastic Beasts, I think they might do a Marauders era series or a Founders era series. Those are the two that I can see as real big ones. Oh, I mean, that's what we hope for. Or they could do they could do like a movie adaptation of The Cursed Child <sighs> because by that time it might have released everywhere because it'll take, what are we thinking, for five movies to come out between five and ten years? Yeah, between five and ten years. And the period of time that will be covered in those movies is apparently 20 years worth of time. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> Fantastic. Speaking of Marauders era stuff, I thought that this year again, 2018 coming up, mm-hmm. there's going to be more rumors of a Marauders TV series. A Marauders TV yep. series has always been like desperately wanted and hinted at in several different occasions. Some of these fake, some of these genuine. And like, I mean, I think that's what people really want. <laughs> uh, I don't. <laughs> really? I feel like we know everything we need to know about the Marauders era. I don't. Like the key events are set in stone and all, all that's left is interpreting the characters and their interactions. And I don't need a series to do that for me. I can do it myself. Yeah, I can do it myself. It's just I like to know if my suspicions were correct. <laughs> I don't. I like that. <laughs> Validation. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, true. It, it does have so much of a potential to really wreck my perception of the characters. Mm-hmm. We'll get into this specific fear in a moment because I have a lot to say on it. But for now, any more news? Yeah, just in talking about movies in general, I predict 2018 Benedict Cumberbatch will be offered a role in the upcoming franchise of Fantastic Beasts. I just, I feel it deep in my bones. I can sense oh. it like the plague. <laughs> oh, I hate it. <laughs> Oh no! (laughs) Okay. In the next movie or in the third movie? Not the next one, but he'll be offered, like, it'll be confirmed, like, oh, Benedict Cumberbatch coming into Fantastic Beast 3 or 4 or something like that. I feel like I'll see that headline in 2018. I'll be like, I fucking knew it. I don't feel like I'll see that headline in 2018 because the movie's going to come out this year and they won't do casting for the next movie until 2019. Mm. But I feel like your inner eye is just seeing further into the future than the agreed upon <laughs> time because it's definitely going to happen. <laughs> oh. And what's going to happen immediately afterwards is I'm going to call you and say you're a witch and then I'm going to throw myself out of the nearest window. <laughs> Hopefully I'm on the ground floor when I get this prediction, guys. What else have I got to say that isn't Fantastic Beast related? Sort of not Fantastic Beast related, more meta related. Mm-hmm. I predict that more evidence of Johnny Depp's abusive charges will surface and <laughs> Warner Bros. will ignore them. Yep. Controversial statement, but I feel like it's going to happen. That feels accurate. There's something really amazing happening in Hollywood at the moment where men are being forced to face the consequences of their actions. Accountability. And I would love to see that trend continue. Yeah. And get Johnny Depp. That would be great. 
Oh, it's a really confusing time in the fandom. There seems to be a very strong divide mm. between don't support Fantastic Beasts and then there's the other half that are like, there's no clear evidence. I'm just incredibly, overwhelmingly furious that Warner Brothers has continued to support Johnny Depp and that J.K. Rowling has now vocally sided with him as well. That's heartbreaking to me. It's frustrating and confusing. I'm just more confused than anything else. That, like, it's causing this much controversy. Yeah. And that they're still deciding, okay, no, we're going to go with this. And the, really the reason is is because he's such a well-known actor and he will bring in the money. People want to see Johnny Depp. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Johnny Depp, so I wasn't mm -hmm. particularly, like, my world didn't tip upside down when all this news came up. I just sort of went, yeah, all right, seems seems legit, I guess. So if he was removed from the movies, I would be like, yeah, sure, fine. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'd be glad. I, I'm not going to miss his acting. Like, <laughs> The only part of Fantastic Beasts that I truly detested was when his face was in it. <sighs> Yeah. Like, I was booing him in the cinema. I hated it so much. Just seeing him made me furious. <laughs> I feel like we're going to get distracted and just fall down this rabbit hole of how much we hate Johnny Depp if we focus on it too much. Anyway, uh, more evidence will continue to come to light. Warner Brothers, they're in too deep now. Yeah, they've made a commitment. They could have cut him from the first movie. You could have literally just edited him out of the first movie. Maybe reshot one scene. Or even they could have been like, oh, we finished the first movie and it's done, but now we're going to recast like in the second movie and and I would have been like yeah that's fair but they've doubled down on it now yeah. of we're keeping him in the movie and the next movie is called the crimes of Grindelwald it's going to so, be about him it's too late now they can't change yeah they had their chance and they didn't take it so that's it mm. we're stuck with it now yeah not not great <laughs> yeah depressing steering away from fantastic beasts for a moment because we are going to talk about fantastic beasts the crimes of grindelwald in a lot of depth but we'll save that for the end of the episode so if you're a listener who doesn't want to hear any spoilers or potential spoilers because we're guessing mm. about that movie you can stop listening we'll give you a warning yeah maybe we should have done a better warning at the beginning of this episode whatever this is our we're guessing <laughs> we'll put a warning in the episode description <laughs> you'll have to read it <laughs> Oh, reading. Oh, I know. Disgusting. Cursed Child. Ugh. Upcoming news for 2018. Cursed Child is moving to the USA. Another great thing for the US to look forward to in 2018. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> I feel so bad. Like, whenever I look at, whenever I wake up, I have, like, BBC News and Al Jazeera on my phone. And, I, and the first thing I see is, like, notifications of what's going on in the world. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh. How do you live like that? I can't stand knowing what's going on in the world. I upset our mother a lot because she calls me and says things that are happening as if I should know about them. And I'm like, I don't watch the news. I don't read the news. I don't listen to the news. I don't look for the news. I don't want to know. I would rather live in denial than deal with this hell that we are in. This is the difference between a publishing major and an international relations major. <laughs> oh, yes. I know quite a lot about books and <laughs> Harry Potter. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, um, I feel sorry for the Americans right now. But anyway, continuing about Cursed Child. We're getting so political so quickly. I keep trying to steer this back, but it's not happening. <laughs> oh, it's getting spicy. <laughs> so the USA is getting Cursed Child in 2018. It's going to be playing on the Broadway in a completely remodeled theatre. I looked up what the name of the theatre was, but didn't write it down. Something starting with an L. That's helpful. <laughs> It's the theatre starting with L on Broadway, guys, so get your ticket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apparently they are 
completely remodeling the theater. It's a multi-million dollar project for this one play to remodel. Oh, and there's going to be like a reduction in seating, but they're still going to keep all the tickets really cheap. Uh, it sounds a bit weird to me. I don't know. Like maybe that theater just needed a remodel, but I mean, I guess whatever. they're making it. I guess they're just making it really accessible because they're going to be. The prediction for them is that they're going to be playing this for years and years and years. So it's like, yeah, I'd understand that it have to be a very specific theater that you'd need to be able to perform this show. Like the sort of special effects and the stage mm -hmm. directions that are needed, the blocking that's needed, you'd need a very specific sort of theatre. So, mm. yeah. They're talking about just completely remaking the space yeah. so that it's a space that is designed for the Harry Potter show, not for anything else. It would just play Cursed Child. You know what? If they do make this theatre which is designed for the Harry Potter show, oh no, this opens a door yeah. for more potential screenplays, like scripts, I mean, more potential scripts about the Harry Potter world. <laughs> If they have this theatre ready and waiting and they're like, wouldn't it be good if we could have some more plays to put in here about the Harry Potter world? And Thorn and Tiffany's little heads rear up out of Savannah like meerkats and they're like, huh? someone say more trash to put on stage? <laughs> and then Rhea's standing there with a mallet and she's like, we got him! And I smack the mallet down. <laughs> they took the bait back into your hole. <laughs> I'm in here in like an earpiece and you're like, I've got the shot and like, take it. <laughs> <laughs> yes speaking of how much we hate the cursed child guess what's coming to us in 2019 <laughs> wow, wow. so this is we're moving beyond 2018 again we're gonna have nothing to predict <laughs> for our next year's episode <laughs> this is my prediction 2018 this time next year Rhea and Jem will have nothing to predict for 2019 <laughs> because they've already spoiled it all uh, Cursed Child is coming to Australia 2019. We don't know anything more about it other than that. I think they haven't even done casting yet. I thought it was coming exclusively to Melbourne. It is coming exclusively to Melbourne. So that's one thing we know. Sucked in. <laughs> so you'll have to come down and visit me and um, watch it. No, we have to come see it with me. What? You're going to go see it? Of course I'm going to go see it. <sighs> like I'm not going to go see Cursed Child live uh, in Melbourne, where I live. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I can do it to myself, Rhea. <laughs> I don't want to do it to myself. We have to do it for the podcast. Uh, we'll, <laughs> it's for you, listeners. <laughs> we'll have to do like a reaction episode. Oh, you're right. Shit, you're right. Okay, well, at least I know what I'm getting into. Like, <laughs> You have more than a year to psych yourself up for this. Mentally prepare myself. Mm, I'm not going to read the script. I've decided if it's coming to Australia, then I'm not going to bother reading the script. I'll just see it. Yeah. Just... I'll bring my bag of tomatoes to throw on stage. <laughs> no, the writers aren't on stage. I'm not going to hassle the actors. No, no, the actors... Props to them. Like, great opportunity. I hope they smash it and they will. Writers, I have a lot of beef with. <laughs> but yeah, I wonder. Nah, they would have British actors doing it. Unless they might have Australians putting on British accents. I would imagine so. They wouldn't be importing British actors over because mm. it will probably play for months. And that's insane. <laughs> you cannot leave. <laughs> Trapped forever. Yeah, no, they'll do casting calls and they'll past Australians who can do good British accents or British people who are living here and also actors. I will apply for the role of Delphini. <laughs> oh man, I hope you get it. How good would that be? Then we could do an exclusive interview with the actress playing Delphini. <laughs> so, uh, what do you think of The Cursed Child? Fucking hate it. <laughs> it's trash, eh? <laughs> Tell us about your character. She's a trash human. <laughs> 
Mm. Oh. She's just the worst. She's a fan fiction trope come to life. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me a bit excited because I either know or know of quite a few actors in Melbourne yeah. who I think would be good for a variety of roles. And I'm excited to see if they go for it and see if they get it. Yeah, good for that. I don't want to be naming names because I don't want to shame them. <laughs> I don't want to jinx it as well. Yeah, I don't want to trap them. But yeah, I'm definitely going to go see it. As much as I hate myself, I'll still go. (laughs) (laughs) Take a shot and just walk into the (laughs) theatre. I thought you meant like take a shot to the head. (laughs) No! (laughs) And in I go. (laughs) My ghost. Oh, the return of Smash around here. (laughs) Oh no. That's the end of my news-based predictions. I now have depression-based predictions. (laughs) Good categories. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to talk about fandom fatigue. Okay. As you may have noticed in this episode with my loud groans, (laughs) I am experiencing it. She's a... Harry Potter is such a special fandom. And I say this not just because of my bias, because clearly I am a member of said fandom right here producing fan content for you guys. But we're unique because of the nature of the work itself, the nature of the audience, and the time at which it landed Mm -hmm. so it's a highly transformative series it's a coming-of-age story and the way that it was written and the way that it was published meant that the audience came of age at the same time as the characters in the book were so the series started out as a children's series for children and by the time it had ended it was a young adult series for young adults yeah so that's highly unique i can't think of another series that has done that Mm -hmm. that has grown with its readers that's completely unique and the other key thing was that when the harry potter series was being published it was also the age of the internet yeah so we started as children reading these books and then we also started to slowly be introduced to the internet and once we hit a certain point the point being the three-year gap between Goblet of Fire and Order of Phoenix being published, suddenly we all met each other online and we created communities, we created fandom spaces, and we started creating our own content. That is completely unique, not in the terms that other fandoms don't do that, but in terms that Harry Potter was a pioneering fandom. We developed that. Yeah, we developed that. Mm. Online fandoms came from Harry Potter, and that's incredible, first of all. But the bad thing about it, because there is a flip side to it, is that the Harry Potter fandom sort of claimed the series. We took over characters, we took over storylines, and we started writing it, recreating it, and making it for ourselves. And every single fandom does that, but we did it to an extent that was unprecedented. And this is partially because of Harry Potter's status as a global phenomenon as well. It's something that completely changed the publishing industry, it changed (laughs) literal economies. (laughs) because of just the sheer magnitude of books that were being published. So fast forward beyond when we were creating our fandom space to the end of the series. Death is so important in Harry Potter as a theme and as just something that happens. Basically, the entire series, if you boil it down, is about learning to accept that Mm -hmm. death is a good thing. It's okay for things to end. And even if your love for that thing never goes away, it's okay for that thing to be gone and for you to accept that, whether that thing is your parents who died for you or a book series that you loved as a child. It's okay for it to be over. I can see where you're going with this. (laughs) Yeah, that was the important thing that we all learned from Harry Potter. And then, (laughs) in the past 10 years since the book series has ended, 
we have come to the very, very slow conclusion that the Harry Potter franchise is not going to die, because it felt like it was. When the books ended, that was a clear ending for the series. When the movies ended, that was a clear ending for the series. And then since then, there's been a slow trickling back of, oh, but now we have Pottermore, Mm -hmm. and now we have The Cursed Child. Now we have the Fantastic Beasts films, and it keeps ramping up and up and up and up, and it's just never going to end. It's not going to stop. As a fandom, we need to decide whether that's a good thing or not. I completely agree, and my personal hypothesis is that we shouldn't. <laughs> I think mm. I think it's time. Like I understand that there's more Fantastic Beasts coming out, mm-hmm. and that we can't stop that train from going. But I'm gonna predict again that maybe around the fourth Fantastic Beasts movie, it'll start to wear down a bit and maybe start to go into another state of decay. Like we've already had our first stage of death and decay, but then it got revamped like Frankenstein's monster, mm-hmm. and now it's back. But yeah, I think around the fourth Fantastic Beast movie, that second phase of decay will start again. Yeah. Maybe it'll stick this time. Again, I don't think it will. (laughs) The problem is the fandom, the audience for Harry Potter is not in control of when the story dies because Mm. while we produce an incredible amount of Harry Potter content, we're not producing the official canon content and we can't decide to stop when we want to stop. Yeah. In a lot of ways, the problem that we have to deal with with the new content is who owns the series? Because the people who own the series, A.K. Rowling, Warner Brothers Studios, various others, are going to continue to make new content because it makes money. And there's a certain point where that goes from being just about wanting to create more story to blatantly exploiting a fan base. And it's arguable whether we've reached that point already. My problem is that it feels like, and it has felt this way for years and years, the fandom has moved beyond what the canon is producing in terms of the richness and the depth of stories living up to the ideals of the original series and continuing to develop them. Representation, even just that on a basic level. Yeah. The new content that we're getting is stuff like The Cursed Child, which many, many people have pointed out, including us in an earlier episode, is just bad Harry Potter fan fiction from the early 2000s, but being sold to us as if it's a brand new original story that everybody should love mm. when it's just garbage. Yeah. Johnny Depp's casting which goes against all of the ideals of the series and is just actually monstrous. Uh, Cultural appropriation in the Ilvermorny update prior to the Fantastic Beasts film, that was so upsetting to so many people. We haven't really discussed that properly yet. No, we haven't. But my position on that is very restricted. (laughs) Mm. It's hard for us to have sort of a nuanced conversation about it as white Australians. We're not even American. Yeah. Never mind Native American. So it's hard to, yeah. other than just being like, I understand that that was a bad thing that happened and I do not approve of it. Mm. I sort of look at it from the, from the perspective if um, they'd done the same thing for an Australian school and they'd taken like animals and symbols from Aboriginal dreaming and sort of made those the mascots of the school and just sort of ignored mm-hmm. the history of the Aboriginals in Australia <laughs> and just started with magic coming in through the white settlers. That would have been very upsetting for me. Yes. Even just as a white Australian, never mind, if I had actually been an Indigenous Australian, which was the beef of a lot of Native Americans. Yes. When I think about 
the inevitable Pottermore update talking about the Australian school because it's going to happen. Like, we have to accept that. Yeah. It's, it's already <laughs> upsetting to me because I know that just as an Australian person, I could come up with a really good backstory for how magic would work in Australia. And I'm not Indigenous. As an Indigenous Australian person, they could come up with an even better story of how magic would work in Australia. And it's frustrating exactly, that people who don't have the depth of knowledge about our country that you would need to write about these things is going to write about these things. Yeah. Yeah, it's upsetting. <laughs> There's so many issues that we have to deal with moving forward. Like, what do we do if the new content's bad? Do we stop consuming it? Do we stop giving them our money? Do we protest that way? But then we miss out on new Harry Potter content. Mm. Like, do we value the story even if it's garbage? Do we value the story even if it's unethical? Even if we're supporting the actions of an abuser by continuing to go see movies? Mm. These are questions that we have to deal with. Dark and difficult times lie ahead. At what point will it just be enough? Will we stop spending money on Harry Potter? And will they stop producing it? Never, is my prediction. Yeah. But it's important to be mindful as we continue to navigate the future of Harry Potter mm. canon and fandom. By all means, I can't stop people and myself from consuming content, mm -hmm. but I should at least question what I'm consuming mm. before I do it. <laughs> we should be highly critical of the content that we consume. And mm. by no means am I suggesting that the original series is perfect. <laughs> oh, God, no. Oh, no. We wouldn't be doing this show if we thought that. <laughs> There's plenty to criticise in the original series. We literally have a Google Doc, which is like 12 pages worth of us just asking questions which critique the original series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have a lot of things to talk about. We don't have to stop loving Harry Potter. I guess I'm going back to that idea of how death is important. You don't have to stop loving it. And we don't have to move away from the original series or move away from Fantastic Beasts if that's what you're into. If you've never read the books and you just love the Fantastic Beasts films and they are your jam, that's fine. Hmm. But there's things that we need to consider. I suppose it's like in the fifth, well, more like the sixth or seventh book after Sirius had died. Mm -hmm. And there was the whole sort of controversy because, of course, Harry loved Sirius. But there was points that Harry had to admit Sirius had been arrogant and had not mm -hmm. considered the wider implications of his actions in his treatment of Creature. So Harry had to admit, like, the fact that Harry could criticise Sirius post-mortem wasn't him disrespecting it. Mm -hmm. It was just him acknowledging that what he loved wasn't perfect. Yeah. But if we want to extend the metaphor, it's a bit like, what if Sirius had come back as a zombie <laughs> and refused to get back in the ground? And we'd had to sit through five movies with him! <laughs> <laughs> that's the situation we find ourselves in. Yeah, that's what it's like. <laughs> Like a 20-year-long weekend of Bernie's. <laughs> if I can just make sort of one more point on this. There's a quote by Henry Jenkins, who is a basically a fandom scholar. He's an academic, and he's my favourite academic. He's a brilliant, perfect man. <laughs> and he coined, or he, here's a quote from him. Fan fiction is a way of the culture repairing the damage done in a system where contemporary myths are owned by corporations instead of by the folk. So there's an idea that stories should belong to the people mm -hmm. and we should be able to tell them, retell them, create them, recreate them in ways that are meaningful to us and that serve us. And when 
our stories and our media are controlled by corporations that use them for money, we lose the value of storytelling. So fandom and fan fiction is a way of seizing our stories back and remaking them so that they have meaning for us. This kind of thing becomes incredibly prevalent in a world where mega corporations, like the one run by the Mouse King, <laughs> is slowly buying out studios and taking over the entire production of all movies. And as we continue to use stories as escapist fantasies to get away from the increasingly dystopic world we find ourselves in, we need to still be able to seize these stories for ourselves, create them for ourselves. And I don't know, just as a Harry Potter fan, it's frustrating to me that I am not being allowed to do this in peace because 10 years ago, I made my peace with the idea that these stories belong to us now, that the official version of them was done and now we could play with them as we wanted. It's frustrating to find out that, uh, no, it's never going to be that way. You never get to claim these stories. Mm. They're ours and we're going to continue spinning money out of them for as long as we possibly can. Yeah. I guess that's the point I wanted to make. The end. That's my prediction for 2018. I'm going to get more depressed. <laughs> oh, Somber stuff, but you're right. I mean, there's only so much that people can take after they die before they go from peaceful ghosts, friendly Casper ghosts, <laughs> to like crimson peak ghosts. <laughs> and just saying. That was very poignant. Well put. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now that I've gone on a big rant and been like, uh, Harry Potter's garbage and all the content should go burn, what do you think's going to happen in Fantastic Beasts 2, Crimes of Grindelwald? To be released November 2018. Okay, this is not a spoiler-free zone. Yes. So, to begin, Crimes of Grindelwald coming out 16th November 2018. Mm -hmm. Here's what I know. Grindelwald escapes from the Makusa because he's, it's gonna, it's called the Grimes of Grindelwald and Johnny <laughs> Depp has been pictured in a lot of the promotional pictures. So he's out. He's not spending that time in a cell. And he's obviously going to continue being a garbage man and recruiting and gaining all his followers and trying to turn the magical world topsy-turvy and take over muggles. Mm -hmm. And now he has the Elder Wand, mm. as we've seen from the promotional pic. Yeah. He's had it since he was a kid. Uh, probably, yeah. Just hidden it away somewhere and then has retrieved it again. We also know that Dumbledore, Jude Law, asked Newt for help. And also, I just want to bring up a funny thing about Jude Law. So, remember in the sixth Harry Potter movie when I had the flashback to when Dumbledore met Voldemort for the first time in the orphanage? <laughs> mm -hmm. And that was like a withered old Dumbledore with a red beard. Yeah. No, still a silver beard in the movie. <laughs> they just didn't change him at all. He looked no. the same. And now, like, what? Still five years later, it's like Jude Law. <laughs> <laughs> five years later? <laughs> Oh, God, what a transformation. Well, Voldemort will be in, in Hogwarts at this point when the crimes of Grindelwald is happening. He'll be in Hogwarts, like, I'm guessing about third or fourth year, I don't know, maybe second year? Oh, my God. That's who Bumblefuck Cumberbron is going to be playing. <laughs> he's going to play young Voldemort. He's like a 35... Yeah, but... He's a 35-year-old man. Voldemort's a teenager. 20 years from now. Fifth movie. Voldemort. Played by Benedict Cumberbron. But Voldemort will still be, like, because I'm assuming... So like we said before, the movies cover 20 years. The mm -hmm. first movie is in 1927 or something, right? 
Yeah. That means that they'll end in 1947, and that's when Grindelwald was defeated by Dumbledore, right? So it's just going to cover the, the war. Yeah, the Grindelwald war. And Grindelwald's defeat. So, oh, actually, yeah. It would end when Voldemort's like 30, 40? Mm-hmm. I don't know. 30? Uh, I don't know Voldemort's age off the top of my head in 1947. <laughs> if in the 1920s, and this movie set like apparently six months or ten months after the end of Fantastic Beasts, mm-hmm. so it's still around that era, and if Voldemort's in high school so he's like from the ages of 11 to 17 mm-hmm. then 20 years later he'll be in his 30s around that age yeah so yeah potentially they could have fucking benedict cumberbatch playing young voldemort i'm calling that i hate it they're having benedict cumberbatch is gonna play young voldemort in the coming <laughs> fantastic beast films i'm calling it that's what's happening <laughs> oh all right so what else is happening in crimes of grindelwald yeah double dot asking it for help why who knows why? We don't need to know. Why is he asking an author and a protector of creatures for help in stopping Grindelwald? Well, you're supposed to guess. <laughs> this is your prediction yeah. time. Yeah. Well, I guess it's because it's been established that Dumbledore had a soft spot for Newt, like he does with every underdog. Newt has finished writing his book now. He's a published author because there's a, a mm-hmm. picture showing that he's doing a book signing of Flourish and Blot. So that means that maybe he's a bit yeah. less busy. He's a bit less busy. I think there's two things that Newt could possibly do. One is something to do with a fantastic beast that's i think a reasonable bet mm-hmm. because he's the fantastic beast guy and dumbledore's like i've got a beast problem so i need my beast boy two the other thing that we know about newt in this movie is that his brother is here his brother the war hero who was mentioned briefly Theseus. is now the head of the aura department mm. and is associated with the lestrange girl from newt's photograph so there might be some kind of association between those two people Dumbledore needs help with those. And he goes to Newt because Newt has a prior relationship with them Mm -hmm. and is like, I need help with the aura department. Newt, talk to your brother for me. Something along those lines. Yeah. Okay. Credence is alive. Yeah. Yeah. We know that. And we've seen him pictured next to Claudia Kim, who's the actress name. We don't know the name of her character yet. Mm Mm-hmm. But we do know that she is a new type of magical creature called a maledictus. Mm-hmm. And in the Latin, mal means bad, dictus means to speak, as if from diction. So it means bad speak, but it's like a blood disease. Yeah. And there's this theory that I've seen online from Super Carlin Brothers, because I always suck up them Harry Potter theories for this podcast, mm-hmm. that this woman is Nagini. Yeah. So specifics of this curse, the maledictus curse, is that you're basically like an animagus in that you can turn into a creature, but you don't control when you turn into a creature or what creature it is, and once you turn, you're stuck forever. Yeah. That seems to be the premise. At some point, you turn into an animal, and then you're trapped like that. Yeah. Um, I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. It's stupid. <laughs> I do not agree that she's Nagini. Okay. So there's a shot of a newspaper showing that there's an advertisement for a circus, because we know that in the new Fantastic Beast movie, and Tina and the, the gang have to go to a circus to do something. So there's going to be Fantastic Beasts at that circus, we assume. Oh, Credence is at that circus. I bet anything Credence is at that circus. Yeah, it seems circus is where you go when you've got nowhere else to go, right? And that's what they say. He's gone on run off with the circus. Like, that's what you do. So He's joined the circus. Yeah, he's joined the circus, and that's why he's sitting next to this woman, because she's also a part of the circus. And the assumption is that there's this advertisement in the paper showing the incredible snake woman and it's the biggest advertisement and the link Mm. to this woman sitting next to credence and this uh snake woman at the circus is the fact that she's wearing sort of scaly clothing in the promo picture yeah also the fact that her condition is that she's a maledictus bad speak Mm -hmm. like parcel mouth 
bad space. Yeah. And that it's a blood condition, so there's something wrong with her blood. Now, remember in sixth book, no, fifth book, sorry, when Arthur Weasley was attacked by Nagini? Yeah. And there was something with Nagini's venom where he disintegrated the stitches that they tried to use in him. The venom was, like, making him sick. The theory, like, why is that a thing? That's not a thing. Like, obviously, it's a magical snake. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a regular snake. So that's the theory, is that... Nagini is a magical snake, so therefore it was a woman. And yeah, that's all I can remember about the theory. <laughs> My problem there is that it means the snake has lived for a really long time. And he said that perhaps she has a daughter and that becomes Nagini. Ah, so that's even less connected. Yeah, that's a garbage theory <laughs> for several reasons. The evidence is based on nothing. I think you can take several leaps to get to she's some kind of snake woman. To then go from that snake woman is Nagini from the Harry Potter series is there's nothing there. That's just wild speculation. Even if you're willing to accept like her clothing looks a bit snake-like, therefore she's a snake, which I am willing to accept because it's a movie. Yeah. To go from the snake woman in the circus probably in France, I think it's a French circus, is then going to end up inside the forests of Albania as a snake and form a close relationship with Voldemort mm. and become a Horcrux. But no. if I see Claudia Kim and Benedict Cumberswizzle interacting in the movie and having some sort of weird sexual chemistry, then I will accept the theory that this woman is probably Nagini because that seems like the kind of move that this movie is going to do if they ever did it. Because why? We can't just have... A guy who has a pet snake has to have a weird sexual relationship to it, and then she's trapped as a snake, so then that's why he keeps her. Because that could be the only reason why someone could keep an animal companion. I'm looking at you people who think that Mrs. Norris was a person. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like that, because that whole time you were speaking, you were looking at me. (laughs) I don't think that. I do think Mrs. Norris was a person. I I had that theory when I was, like, 13. I've since abandoned it. I think that Credence is definitely with the circus. Yeah, definitely. I think that he is with this snake woman. We've already had a weird sort of mentor relationship with Credence, so I think I'm leaning less away from mentor and more towards romantic. Mm. I think he's got a romantic relationship with the snake woman. She's evil. As we know, snakes are evil. Yep, always. (laughs) Always. All snakes are evil all the time. Or the twist is that she's good. Because snakes are evil, so it's like, whoa, sick. (gasps) Twist. No, I think she's evil. And she is continuing to try to make Credence evil as well, because they would have a connection with the fact that Credence has got this great darkness inside of him, this power that he can't control, and it's like a curse that's eating away at him and is probably going to kill him sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. And she's got the same kind of thing, where she's got this dark curse on her blood that is going to destroy her at some point, and maybe it gives her cool snake powers. Okay, so Nicholas Flamel is making an appearance as well, because why the fuck not? Mm. But that's not Benedict Cumberswizzle, because he's already been cast. Oh, Nicholas Flamel's already been cast. I thought you meant Benedict had already been cast. <laughs> yeah, we've already decided, remember? He's he's young Voldemort. Newt's brother Theseus and Lisa Lestrange are there, and it's awkward because they're engaged. Mm-hmm. There's also going to be some flashbacks, 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 flashbacks. going to be teenage Newt and teenage Lita. So we're probably going to get some explanation on their relationship in school. What happened to Hogwarts? Yeah. And there's going to be teenage 
Albus and Teenage Grindelwald. And here's my question about that. Are they going to show that Albus was in love with Grindelwald as a teenager? Yes. Or are they going to be a coward? That's what I'm wondering. Yes. Are we going to get in canon evidence that Dumbledore is gay? Or are they going to shy away from it? Because J.K. Rowling has confirmed that Dumbledore is gay and that Grindelwald exploited Dumbledore's attraction or love for him Mm -hmm. to get him to do what he wanted. Yeah. He used it to manipulate Albert. Yeah. We know that Dumbledore is gay, but it's just a matter of will they show that on screen or will they shy away from it? Yeah. I think the backlash, if they don't show it, will be enormous. I can't imagine that they wouldn't, but I'm very biased in these matters and- I know that some people just would rather die than show gay people on screen. So maybe it won't happen. There's always a chance. I mean, it just seems like sort of poetry to me that they have maybe a romantic connection between Newt and Lita. And that's why it's awkward that Lita is engaged to his brother now. And so by having a flashback between these two characters, it might show their former romantic connection, perhaps. Newt was really in love with Lita, but she wasn't interested. So then it seems like they could do the same thing for Albus and Grindelwald if they're doing a flashback sequence with them as well as teenagers. So it just seems like it would really Mm -hmm. be a good symmetry there. And I really hope that they do that. Yeah, that seems likely. That's all the facts I have. Okay, I have some more (laughs) wild speculation. What happened between Newt, Leader, and his brother? I think his brother either was in his final year of Hogwarts or had graduated Hogwarts. And Leda was in love with Newt's brother. Newt was in love with Leda. Yeah. And she was completely disinterested in Newt. But they were friends. Yeah. And they bonded over either the Care Magical Creatures class or something along those lines. I think she did something which either got somebody hurt or she did something bad. Mm-hmm. And she didn't want to take credit for it because it would mean that Newt's brother would never love her because she did something evil and wrong. And he's a very upstanding Gryffindor sort of guy. I'm picking him as a Gryffindor straight away. Yeah, me too. So Newt, out of love for Leda, took the blame for whatever that bad thing was because he was in love with her and he was already a social outcast. So, you know, what more could a little bad attention from people do to me? Right. So he took that bad attention. It him expelled from Hogwarts and that furthered the divide between him and his brother. I'm imagining his brother as quite like a heroic action manny type guy. Mm, but very austere. Who's got a complicated relationship with his weirdo little brother who doesn't make eye yeah. contact or talk to people. That's my hot take on their relationship. Yeah, that sounds perfect. Yeah. I think the brothers are going to not have a good relationship in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And are going to rectify that over the course of the movies and end up as quite close. Yes. Or at least understanding of each other's differences. Yes. So as we've established, the movies cover a 20-year timeline, so they will cover the entirety of the war against Grindelwald. hmm Okay. <laughs> That's all the predictions I got. I'm out. So we're thinking we're thinking Grindelwald's going to be defeated at the end of the fifth movie? Well, yeah, that's we know that happens. Yeah. I think it's strange that they're making the second movie The Crimes of Grindelwald. Because if, if I was writing this series, I wouldn't bring Grindelwald in as your big bad until three or four, maybe. Yeah, I hated that Grindelwald was introduced in Fantastic Beasts. I, that's the one thing I really didn't like about that movie. Mm, yeah, as I've said. Yeah, I mean, we haven't really done an episode on Grindelwald's plan in Fantastic Beasts, but it's yeah, stupid. <laughs> but the entire movie makes more sense if the person that Grindelwald's impersonating was named Grave. Grave. 
Graves, the aura, was just working for Grindelwald. If he was just a follower of Grindelwald, yeah, everything lines up and makes way more sense. It literally makes no sense for Grindelwald himself to be there. It's yeah. stupid. It's I hate it. Yeah, if it's just like just think of the Harry Potter series. There's seven books and Voldemort himself does not become a physical presence until book number four. Mm. You don't, well he is in the earlier movies, but you don't have like, Voldemort's interest is the end of the second book, at the end of the first book and then the second movie is all about Voldemort. Mm. Then what are you going to do with the rest of the series? The way I would do it is I would have mention of Grindelwald in the first movie. They have to deal with Grindelwald's followers in the second movie. Mm -hmm. Grindelwald himself arrives in the third movie, but they're able to deal some kind of blow to him. He has a plan, but they subvert it somehow. He wins in the fourth movie. He has some kind of plan and he wins and all hope is lost. And then they get him in the fifth movie. That's how I would structure it. I would have it slightly different where, same as before, but Grindelwald arrives in the third movie, takes over. So the fourth movie is the entirety of Britain, basically, and I assume much of Europe is under Grindelwaldian control. Everyone's like, sort of like a Star Wars thing where it's like the Empire versus the Rebels. Yeah. Like the, all our good characters are undercover or like under the radar trying to fight off in guerrilla attacks and things like that. And then fifth movie is the final climax. Dumbledore defeats Grindelwald, etc. Yeah. That's the other thing. Mm. Because Dumbledore defeats Grindelwald. So where's Newt in all of this? I, I'm very sad, but I think Newt's going to drop out of the picture. Yeah. And be a secondary character or else just not there anymore. And is this going to focus on Dumbledore? Yeah, I think Dumbledore is going to grow to be our protagonist, which is sad. Yeah. Not a fan of that. What do you think of Jacob and the Goldstein sisters? They're both coming back as well. Okay, so I don't know why Jacob's coming back because his memory was erased. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, I mean, I don't mean to sound anti-muggle, but what can he really do in a war with wizards? Yeah. <laughs> like... He's just going to be a hindrance and a damage to himself. As for the, the sisters, looking at it from a historical context, maybe it's like the allies joining up. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, the the Americans come in to save the day. And so the American wizards come over and join the, the force of England versus Grindelwald. Or maybe it's just Tina and Queenie are called over by Newt. It's like, I'm going to the circus and I need a, a squad. <laughs> What I think is going to happen is that Jacob and Queenie will barely be in it and that they're mostly coming back just because they were fan favorite. Because I think really Jacob mm. and Queenie, their story's done. I would be happy if we never saw them again. They're in love. That's it. The end. Uh, maybe his memories are coming back oh. a little bit and he slowly gets reintroduced through magic by his relationship with Queenie. That's I'm done with that. That's fine. What I think is going to happen, Grindelwald escapes from whatever prison he's in in America and flees back to Europe. What's her name? Goldstein? Who's the main girl? Tina. Tina. Such an unforgettable character. Ah, oh, amazing. <laughs> that was sarcasm, by the way. Fucking hate Tina. What is anything about her? Wow, I like Tina. I don't hate her, but just tell me something about her. Her name's Porpentina. She's an aura. She cares for her sister and helped raise her. When was that in the movie? <laughs> they Their parents started Dragonpox when they were little. Porpentina's the older one. It's assumed that they're like... Oh yeah, I remember and that. And also, she got fired from the auras. Well, not fired, but like laid off from the auras because she stopped the abuse of a child. Mm. <laughs> Pretty good. Okay. I'm going to do the Anakin test. Are you familiar with this? No. This was someone's criticism of... I don't remember exactly where it came from, but Anakin Skywalker in the prequel series of Star Wars. Describe his character to me without telling me what he wears or what he does. 
So describe Tina to me without telling me what she looks like or the things that she does in the movies. Smart. Resourceful. Amazing. What a great character. <laughs> Tina is nothing. They don't develop her at all. She's a nothing character. Anyway, <laughs> let's not get bogged down on Tina. So <laughs> Tina is going to be assigned to the Grindelwald case because they can't send like a bunch of auras after him because he's left America. He's gone back to Europe. But they're going to be like, you go and investigate it a little bit. Or maybe she goes of her own free will. So she goes over and reconnects with Newt in Europe and is like, Grindelwald's here. And he's like, I'll tell my pal Dumbledore about it because... Dumbledore's real good, whatever. And Dumbledore's like, yeah, I'll get on that eventually. <laughs> but in the meantime, <laughs> you two look into it. And then Tina learns that Credence is still alive somehow. Maybe they see a flyer for the circus or something like that. And then she's like, holy shit, forget about Grindelwald. We need to go to this circus and reconnect with Credence. Mm -hmm. And, oh, maybe the snake woman works for um, Grindelwald. Anyway, so Newt and Tina go to the circus and they meet Credence and they're trying to save Credence. And their main storyline in the movie is at the circus with Credence. And then the other storyline is that we're getting background on Newt, Leader, and the brother. I don't know how the brother's going to fit into this. We're getting background on them. We're getting background on Dumbledore and Grindelwald's connection. And Grindelwald is rising to power. And Dumbledore's like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that because of my own failures. Mm. And we get some background on, like, we just get backstory on them. Yep. That's the movie. And then I don't know what the climax is. The climax is Credence is, seems like he's going to get away from the circus and come and join Newt and Tina so Newt can help him, but then he escapes again. Mm. I feel like Credence is going to join Grindelwald. Mm. Which is upsetting. But that gives Newt a reason to stick around. Yeah. Because Newt's like, I can help this person, and he's very helping. He's very caring. Yeah. So that would give him a reason to continue to be invested in the fight against Grindelwald other than just his general stakes and this is a human being. Yeah. I think Credence is either going to get captured and taken by Grindelwald or or he's going to join Grindelwald mm -hmm. and he's going to want to save him. There you go. Done. Fantastic Beast. <laughs> that's Fantastic Beast. That's everything that's going to happen. That's Crimes of Grindelwald. Oh, where do you think Nicholas Flamel is going to fit into it? Oh, fucking if I know. I reckon it'll just be Dumbledore sitting in his office, like, looking at the past and his pensive, and then it'll be like a... And <laughs> he'll go into the door <laughs> and Nicholas Flamel will be there like, Hey, Dumby, remember me? I'm here for the fan service. And then he'll just sort of like... Moonwalk away. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he'll be like oh because i'm an alchemist that has to do with engineering i'm gonna be making a war weapon and you can use it to win the war and dumbledore's like no man versus machine is bad blah, 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 and that'll be it i don't know something along those lines do you think war will break out in this movie no nah. it says the crimes of grindelwald not the war crimes <laughs> of grindelwald yeah, not the battles <laughs> of grindelwald god imagine if mm. it was fantastic based on where to find them then Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, The Crimes of Grindelwald. And then the next movie kept with that, The Battles of Grindelwald, The Revenge of Grindelwald, The Death of Grindelwald. He doesn't die. <laughs> no. He's still alive. I also think that Nicholas Flamel is just there for fan service. I don't think he's got anything to do with the plot of the story. No. I think maybe he appears in the flashback with younger Dumbledore. It's not like he's Dumbledore's lover because he's married. Yeah, he's married to Penelope or something like that. Yeah. Whatever her name is. Good memory. It pains me to think of young Dumbledore and Johnny Depp 
Jude Law and Donnie Jepp having to have sexual tension. I don't want that. Mm, no. It was revolting. No. Ugh. I hate, I'm just going to put it here because oh, I there could have been so many much better options for actors to play Grindelwald, especially not just because of the whole controversy around Johnny Depp that came out, but also because I just don't think Johnny Depp was the right choice for an actor for Grindelwald. His acting is very much character acting. Mm. And Grindelwald is a bit of a character in terms that he's a magical person, that he's a dark person. But like, being more is more of a, like a serious, intense yeah. character than a, a character. You know what I mean? I don't see him as like this no. weird, off-putting, offbeat, quirky kind of, you know, the character that Johnny Depp plays. Yeah. The singular character he plays, because <sighs> it's the same one every time. Mad Hatter slash Jack Sparrow slash... I don't know, literally any of them. Edward Scissorhands. Edward Scissorhands. It's the same one every time. And also just the fact that I wish they'd cast, they'd stuck to like the rules of the original movies where only British people were allowed to play in them because it was a British-based movie. Yeah. And now they, they've they gone to America. So yes, have American actors in there as well. For the American roles. But Grindelwald is German. Yeah. Yeah. Grindelwald's German. <laughs> yep. Like, have a German or European-based actor. <laughs> Yeah. To play Grindelwald. I just, if we're just ragging on Grindelwald now, why not? I hate his character design. Why does he look like a ghost man? He's so pale. Why does he look like a ghost knight? Yeah, what's with his disgusting, disgusting. blonde haircut? It looks ridiculous. I hate it. And his two coloured eyes. Think of the time yeah. in Deathly Hallows when we flash back to young Grindelwald and he was just a sexy young man. What? A babe! He looked so good. Yeah. And it bothers me because Voldemort looks like a monster because he's done something monstrous to his soul. Yeah, He's awkward. torn himself apart and divested himself from humanity. Mm. And I always thought that he came back looking worse than when he died. I don't think he was as snake-like when he died as when he He was looking back. pretty shit, but... Yeah, he wasn't looking good, but he wasn't looking like that. Why does Grindelwald mm. look like a mess? Why is he like that? What has he done? If it turns out he has a Horcrux, I'm going to kill someone, because that's so annoying. That's so annoying. <sighs> it implies that he's done some kind of dark magic which has perverted himself. Why does he have two different coloured eyes? Why is his skin so pale? Why is his hair white blonde? Nobody looks like that. <laughs> Especially when they, they'd already cast like this really sort of angelic, I want to say almost like a Lucifer-esque sort of image for Grindelwald yes. in the earlier movies where he was like, yeah. like a fallen angel. Like he looked beautiful, but when he did an evil grin, it's like, oh shit, this guy's going to kill me. That's the sort of thing I want. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I always saw him as quite charming, quite seductive, mm. mostly because most of what we know about him is his relationship with Dumbledore. Mm -hmm. And like, can you imagine anyone being attracted to Johnny Depp as he is presented in Fantastic Beasts? No. Again, this might be my strong biases in this area, both towards him as a person and my own personal preferences. <laughs> but he's not attractive. There's nothing about him that's like, oh, I'm interested in you. I want to follow you because you're so charming. No. Not. He's just a gross guy. To conclude, Mass Mickelson should have been Grindelwald 2K18. Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> I mean, he's not German, but Denmark's pretty fucking close to Germany, okay? It's, like, right above it. <laughs> close enough. <laughs> anyway, we got off topic from <laughs> 2018 Potter predictions. We started getting really political, which is fine, because my other prediction for 2018 is it's just going to be a political oh. nightmare. Everything's going wrong. <laughs> Fuck 
Italian kids. Yeah, except guess who can get married starting next year? Yeah, That's right, me. For those people who aren't aware, <laughs> Australia recently legalised the same-sex marriage vote. So it's finally happened, boys. Yes. Starting from, I think, January 9th, same-sex couples can get married in Australia. That is the only highlight of 2018. That's my other prediction. Only good thing that come out of next year. Uh, marriage equality oh. and the Black Panther movie. <laughs> Those are going to be the two highlights of next year. <laughs> well, I've been Jem, your slightly less pessimistic but still concerned host. <laughs> I've been Rhea, the host suffering from hardcore fandom fatigue. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to Podcast 9 and 3 Quarters. This show is written and edited by Rhea and Jem. You can send us an email at 9and3quarterspodcast at gmail.com or talk to us separately. Jem is on our Tumblr page podcast 9 and 3 quarters.tumblr.com and Rhea is on her blog prosedintoglasses.com Please feel free to send theories or ask questions and bombard us with so many messages that we go mad and run away to a hut on a rock in the sea to avoid them. Our logo art is by Winged Corgi. Find more of her art at wingedcorgi.tumblr.com This week's intro music was Another Year Ends by Patrick Doyle and our outro music was Hedwig's Theme by John Williams. Check the episode description for more information about some of the things we talked about in this episode and have a happy new year, listeners. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.